you had said that three out of four millionaires work for someone else. Can you, can you deep dive into that? Yeah, I think Instagram culture is um, talking people out of being an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. like that's me. I'm a guy that's never owned um, or been the CEO of a successful business, but millionaire, right? And sure. there's, there's, that's how most people will become a millionaire. So um, it's a very different skill set to sit on the top, um, to have vision, to be able to manage different departments and skill sets, accounting, sales, marketing, look at all these metrics and then be able to manage a company through the breakpoints of a million to five million to 10 million. It's a very specific skill set. People become successful in a, a niche skill like me, sales. And then they think that the nat next natural step, like, and I thought this for a long time, I had to go be the guy who owns it, right? Yeah. And um, that could be no further from the truth, right? Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. <laughs> Justin, you're a husband, you're a coach, hedge fund manager, investor, managing partner, and president of sales at Kearns Capital, and so much more, man. Thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. This is what it's all about. I like to kick things off by going back a bit, though. Where did you grow up, and, and what was childhood like for you? Yeah, so I grew up right outside Washington, D.C., in a suburb in Maryland. It's called Clarksville. Uh, very interesting upbringing. You know, uh, my, my family was very entrepreneurial. And um, from, from zero to 12, I had, I guess, what you would call a very, very privileged life. You know, my, my dad was building a, a big blind business, and he ended up selling that for millions and millions of dollars. And so, you know, I got to see what um, abundance looks like, you know, what's possible. Um, one of the greatest gifts that I was given as a kid was seeing that you could do anything. You could make millions of dollars. You, you could do all this stuff. And um, then I was hit with the, the biggest lesson I've ever had in my life because right when my dad sold that company, he, he, he ended up losing it all within two years. Wow. And um, then I got to see what happens when you lose your money and how it can tear a family apart. You know, uh, going from the, the house with the, at a skate park in the basement, ice rink was being built in the backyard, like unbelievable life wow. to, you know, big struggles, right? Um, yeah. You got to leave your private school. You, you your, your parents have to leave the house. Um, they end up fighting over money and getting divorced. And all of this happens at the same time. And, um, you know, being the oldest of four kids at the time, it was very, very difficult. And, and what it did in my early life is it turned me into a victim. Mm. And um, I really didn't get out of that victim mentality, um, blaming my parents that they had destroyed my life until I was probably about 22 years old. So um, yeah, but looking back on it, what a gift to be able to see the ups and downs and live that adversity at a very young age. And it definitely um, shaped the way that I've lived my life. Wow, man. What a, what a crazy journey that you're on just in that first part of life there, man. I mean, you go from a VP of sales at Heartland of Foods to the uh, president of sales at Kearns Capital there. After seeing what's, what happened with your family there and your dad and losing it all, like what was it that drew you into the sales side of things? Yeah. So my dad being the resilient entrepreneur that he is started another company and yeah. um, that was Heartland Foods. So, oh, um, nice. yeah. So when I was a Go teenager, um, I saw that, that startup phase, right. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I started helping, right? It was a very small business. I was working in the warehouse, um, $7 an hour job in high school. Uh, my dad really wanted me to go to college, same with my mom. So I, I did it even though um, it, there was nothing there for me. So I saw the sales guys, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm driving a truck um, after a couple of years delivering the products and really like lived the whole ladder of the business leading up to sales. And um, one day I just decided I'm dropping out of college and I'm diving into sales. And, and it was, it really saved my life. For the first time, I understood um, performance-based activity. And um, being a, a hockey player, um, playing in college, that's really all I was doing in, in college was just playing hockey and, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, I, I got into that and um, it, it just was the greatest thing ever. It was super scary at first, I was terrible. Um, I remember walking up to that first, first house and this is door to door knocking, you know, and just like, I, I couldn't do it, I was shaking. And, um, you know, socially awkward in high school, all these things that um, I didn't let define me. I hated these qualities and these weaknesses in myself so much that I just decided that I had to get rid of it. I went all in on learning the, the psychology, you know, reading all these books about sales and um, really trying to figure out why I was the way I was and really reprogrammed my brain and uh, ended up becoming not only uh, setting all the sales records in our company as we grew, um, but all the industry um, records across the country. So come on. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. When you really focus on something, you can turn your weakness into your greatest strength. Oh, so good. So good. It, like if there's someone who's listening to this and they are wanting to get into sales or they're struggling with getting sales, like what, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, th I think um, the hardest part about getting into sales is you read all these books and, you know, they, it, it you know, learning, um, tie downs and closing and all these tactics, and it makes you feel gross, you know? <laughs> And uh, what, what I realize is that's, you know, you need to know those things because language is important, but you don't necessarily use those things. You, you, you craft your own, you learn how to ask questions through those books, but really the, the number one sales tactic is just the frequency of authenticity. Mm. That's it. It's yeah. just building deep relationships with people. You know, my, most of my best customers, the, the, the sales that I would make, we would spend 5% of the time talking about the product or, mm. or, or the service. It yeah. was more so about the, the people aspect. And um, if you want to be great at sales, you really just need to be great at building relationships and actually caring about people and asking targeted questions to figure out how you can solve their problem. That's it. So good, man. I love that. Absolutely. Uh, for those who don't know, what is Kearns Capital, man? Yeah, so Kearns Capital is a hedge fund. So um, big pivot, a little, little background on how I, I left the food business yeah. and got into the hedge fund world. It's like total opposites, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, that experience as a child, most of the, the research I did was, was not about how to make money, um, although I did that too, and how to be good at business. I wanted to make sure that once I did become um, someone that could be an investor and I started to make some money, I wanted to know exactly what to do with it because um, you see this over and over. The, the entrepreneur, the skill set that takes the risks, that, that hits it big, that makes a lot of money is the exact opposite skill set of keeping that money, learning how to multiply it. Right. It's a totally different skill set to be an investor than an entrepreneur. And that's why you hear all these stories. So I yeah. wanted to kind of like front load that education. So I knew exactly what to do when I got there. And uh, we ended up selling um, Heartland Foods to a private equity firm about two years ago. And um, I knew exactly what to do with the money. And I had, I had been investing in the private placement space um, with profits from Heartland for a long time as an LP. So I, I knew that once I got out of the food business, I wanted to be on the GP side of, of the money. And um, I, I had to pivot quickly. We were not planning on selling this company. 
pandemic happens. We're, we're in a food delivery service. Business just triples overnight. And, um, you know, private equity companies are calling and we made the decision. It was time to sell it. So, you know, I, I went on kind of a, and this is a great lesson here. You know, I did not know at all what I was going to do next, but opportunity is in, in rooms and other people. So I spent Mm -hmm. a lot of money traveling, going to high-end masterminds, um, not knowing at all. It's very scary to spend five grand, 10, 15 grand to get into a room for a weekend where other high net worth people are, people doing big things. You know, I needed to go out and meet those people to figure out what's going on in the marketplace. What are the opportunities right now? And yeah. that's where I met my business partner that was um, starting a hedge fund, Cody Kearns. And, um, you know, I, I brought a skill set to the table that they really needed. I'm, I'm a sales guy, I drove all the sales at Heartland. And um, I basically just traded food for, for money in a different product. And it's the same. Same game. Come on. Man, that's awesome. I love that. I mean, it, being in hedge funds, what is it that most investors are doing, the ones that are like really kicking butt at it, that the normal guys are just kind of barely making it doing? Yeah, man, this is that's a great question. I, I think the foundation is really important. Um, you know, a- amateur investors, when I say amateur, I mean guys that are accredited, um, and we can get into what that means, but your average everyday accredited investor net worth of a million to five, maybe $10 million, they don't understand the fund space. Um, they get taken advantage of a lot in, in these mm-hmm. 506Cs, where basically a 506C is, is the wild west of, of the investing world. It basically gives the, the fund a- autonomy to basically say, hey, we're gonna do whatever we want here and we can lose all your money, right? So wow. I think foundation is really important and coming from that protection mindset, which is so backwards, right? I'm in the most aggressive wild west space, but I have a protection mindset. And it's, it's how we protect the investor. So when you build out your fund, you know, having, having legal counsel, structuring your PPMs correctly, um, having third-party administration in place, this is huge. Every Ponzi scheme from the beginning of time had the same common denominator. It was internal reporting. Someone was falsifying stuff and there were no checks and balances. So if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, if you're getting into the private placement space as, an, as a limited partner on the LP side, ask them who does their third-party administration because mm. th- that is a separate outside service that sends the reports to the investors every month. The GPs that we can't move money unless the third party administration signs off on everything. Everything has to be completely compliant. The bank won't let us touch the money unless the admin um, signs off on it. So it's checks and balances that you, you know, the information you're getting is correct and it keeps everybody accountable. So, you know, not, not every hedge fund is going to do that kind of stuff. And then when you get to the bigger, bigger players, um, family offices, institutions, they're going to want to see that all of this stuff is um, structured correctly. So hmm. I, I think that that foundation from the beginning um, was the most important thing for us. That's huge, huge, man, to be able to do that. And yeah, the, the whole like internal uh, that you hear that all the time, man, it's always somebody on the inside ruining somebody else's day or taking their money, man. Uh, as I was looking through your website, you've got this really awesome uh, mastermind. It's called Top Tier Mastermind for Money. I want to get into this. This sounds awesome. What does the top tier mastermind entail and, and how can folks be a part of this? Yeah, I, I love you bring that up because I'm getting my website redone because that, that's a thing of the past. But oh, no. another, okay. that's good, though. Let's, there's good lessons yeah. here. Right? Like yeah. When we were selling that company and I didn't know what I was going to do next, I tried a lot of things that yeah. really work. And, and top tier human was one of them. Okay. Uh, I mean, it kind of worked. It was a coaching business with a mastermind. It made yeah. money, but it was kind of like trading a sales job for another sales job. It didn't really have a a big future, but what it did do, cause it was during the pandemic and there was nothing to do. So I started this online mastermind and uh, in my Instagram, I started sending um, DMs to all these successful people um, to bring them on to speak of my mastermind. 
And then uh, we would do it live on Zoom. So anybody who wanted to attend and watch um, could do that. And uh, what, sometimes you just don't know what you're investing in, right? All of yeah. those relationships I built there, some of them became investors. We're talking millions of dollars comes to Kearns Capital because of something I did before I was even there. Wow. And um, I think the lesson is, is try a lot of things, invest in it all out. If it doesn't work, cut the cord, move on to the next thing. Don't be afraid to fail because you, you really don't know what you're investing in. It could be something that comes back to you later. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. I mean, it, as an entrepreneur and being in sales, we all fail at some point. Like, what was that big fail moment for you that kind of kicked your butt? That, and, and what did you learn from that? Yeah, you know, I, I realized, um, and this recently just happened in July. So um, I'm, I'm experiencing my biggest financial setback in my life right now. Okay. And um, it's very humbling because my entire um, mission was to be that person that didn't have one of those. Mm. And um, it's very interesting because anyone I talk to who's further along in the process than me has been through this, right? Yep. You know, my, my dad went up and down, um, you know, and, and, and because of that, I had this chip on my shoulder that I'm going to do so much due diligence. I'm going to be the guy who never gets hurt. And uh, what I've realized is that you're not, none of us are getting out of this entrepreneur game without getting hurt. And um, right. what happened with us is uh, we were with a, a $5 billion brokerage and uh, we're, in a, we're in a $28 million lawsuit in one of our funds right now um, because they're having a liquidity issue and we can't get our funds out. So um, mm. that, that has a massive ripple effect uh, because there's something called a high watermark. Um, and a hedge fund can only take profits when they exceed the performance of the high watermark. And we were crushing it in that fund. Um, 31% last year, we were up 24% at the time that happened this year. And we were making a bunch of money, you know? Um, yeah. Our LPs were making a bunch of money. Everybody's making money. It was going great. And then overnight on uh, July 8th, when that brokerage became in default with us, now we're on, on calls with legal teams and figuring oh, no. out our, our next move forward. And what that also means is that all of our active income goes to zero, right? Yeah. Um, and I was heavily invested in that fund personally. So was our founder. We all had skin in the game. So, you know, the LPs, um, the most difficult thing I had to do was make those 55 phone calls and tell them what was going on. Um, you know, and at the same time, I lost my passive income. I lost my active income. And, and I had to still go do the right thing and, and perform for these people, even though I know I'm never going to make money off this fund ever again. Sure. Um, unless we get it back, which, which we probably will um, through legal channels. But it's it looks like we're going to be in for a legal fight. And um, what a humbling experience, because in my mind, some, going through something like this, um, you know, losing seven figures of, of a combined uh, active and passive income overnight, you would think would just break you, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm weirdly loving the process because going through this has been so difficult, so challenging. But because I was able to step up for my LPs and for myself, my dad's got over seven figures in this fund. Right. And that, that, that stings so bad. Right. Sure. And, um, yeah, I'm just proud. I'm just proud of the way we're handling it. And I know that if we can get through this, which we are, you know, I mean, we can handle anything. So it makes the, the good times that are coming going to be that much better. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, having a conversation with David Meltzer before, and, and you know, he's one of those guys that he lost a hundred million dollars and had to go live in a, like a, an apartment with this family of three and go rent a furniture and stuff like that. But it, I think when you fail like that, it just makes you stronger in this scenario here, man. And I think you'll come out of this just kicking butt. And man, I, I, I think I appreciate being transparent about that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it, you really make a decision. Every, anything can make you or break you. It's really yeah. just up to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What are the I know I follow you on, on threads. And one of the posts that I saw that you had made, it, it was a while back now, but you had said that three out of four millionaires work for someone else. Can you can you deep dive into that? 
Yeah, I think Instagram culture is um, talking people out of being an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. like that's me. I'm a guy that's never owned um, or been the CEO of a successful business, but millionaire, right? And sure. there's, there's, that's how most people will become a millionaire. So um, it's a very different skill set to sit on the top, um, to have vision, to be able to manage different departments and skill sets, accounting, sales, marketing, look at all these metrics and then be able to manage a company through the breakpoints of a million to five million to 10 million. It's a very specific skill set. People become successful in a, a niche skill like me, sales. And then they think that the na next natural step, like, and I thought this for a long time, I had to go be the guy who owns it, right? Yeah. And um, that could be no further from the truth, right? And, mm. that's, and that self-awareness was huge for me because all that I realized was, is okay, I'm great at sales. I'm not great at accounting. I'm not great at any of this other stuff. Yeah. So all I needed to do was stop selling a three to $10,000 ticket an upgrade to a hundred thousand plus ticket. And now I go from a six figure sales guy to a seven figure sales guy. You can make millions of dollars working for somebody else. You just have to know what your skill set is and just dive in and be the best at that thing. Cause the best person at any one thing is a very high paid person in this world. I love that, man. That is so encouraging to, to myself and, and so many other people, man. Cause I think that was the, the dream of myself for a long time was just be that full-time entrepreneur, you know, go out and, and just own everything. Right. And, and I work a full-time job still, but I do this podcast and it's my passion and, and talk with awesome people like yourself, man. But uh, it's so encouraging to hear, you know what, you don't all have to go and take it all on. Like we can work for somebody else and, and still be that millionaire, still be making a massive impact. That's huge. Uh, just side question. They're like, what's your thoughts on threads, man? It's kind of an interesting app there. Um, you know, I was, um, when it first popped out, I was like, I was late to Facebook. I was late to Instagram. I was late to LinkedIn. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be early. And, uh, I think I was less, maybe like only like a million or 2 million people had signed up for it. I'm like 1.9, I think. Come on. And, um, right, right out the gate, you know, I hit it pretty hard. Um, and, and I wanted to see just like, cause it, it was, it was ground zero. Like how many, how many real, you know, warrior followers do you really have? You're going to find out in the first 30 days. Mine Go. went to like, like 7,000. I was like, okay. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You yeah. know? Uh, whereas guys, you know, the big gurus are going to hundreds of thousands of millions. Um, right. it was, it was a cool experience. Um, but, uh, to be completely honest, it's kind of faded away from me. Um, totally. I haven't really been posting at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. My initial thought was when they first dropped, I was like, Oh, it's going to be the next clubhouse, man. Like get really fired up for about two months and then it's just going to fade away. And it's kind of faded for me as well. Like I get on there and make a daily post. That's about it. Like I don't even really do the scroll thing, but uh, yeah, always, always, uh, always interesting for sure. Um, man, you've got success. You've got money. You've got a uh, great life. What is it that keeps you going at this point? Yeah, I, I think it's it's the pursuit. Um, you know, one thing that happens is the the the, the money is a, a diminishing return. It, it yeah. really is. I mean, the, the happiest I've ever been making money was when I figured out how to make sixty grand a year in sales, and I was able to take care of myself. Hmm. Um, you know, being able to to live by myself, you know, get a, get a place and pay rent, and and be and be able to support myself um, was the most empowering feeling ever, right? And then six figures felt pretty good after that 250 and you know it keeps going and um it's very diminishing returns on your happiness and i think um when you don't have it yet everybody really feels inadequate and in that when they get there they're going to feel a different way but it's just going to bring you a different set of problems and they never go away so for me 
Um, at this point, I see a vision where Kearns Capital goes to a billion. We know how to do it. It's going to happen. And it's just one of those things that if you can, you must. And that's, um, you know, I think the, the, the life experience of going through this. And what I realize also about losing all this money right now is, you know, being in that protection mindset and staying small. If you are not having big failures, you're just not in the game, you know. Right. So um, I'm just excited to, to take this ride and see the places that we can go, the people we can help. Um, what we want to do, you know, to, to have access, like, for instance, our, our private equity um, fund is uh, partnered with Innovation X, which is a multi-billion uh, private equity fund. Right now we're raising for SpaceX. You know, we, we're getting $50 million of private shares at SpaceX, which is impossible to get. Like, call your financial advisor, see if they can get them for you. They can't. <laughs> yeah. um, but if if you have a ten million dollar net worth and you're at a at a place like Morgan Stanley and you have um, a higher level advisor who may have access to these shares, you can get it right. What we're doing at Kearns Capital is we said, okay, these minimums are here. What we're going to do is we're going to raise money from the average accredited investor who can put in a hundred thousand or more. We're going to pull it together and go make this investment as a group. So for the first time we're giving access to the best institutional pre-IPO opportunities in the world to a class of investor that's never had it before. Mm. So that's, that, that, that's really the mission um, that, that we're on. And it was inspired by guys like, you know, Grant Cardone, who's like, I'm buying A-class assets and I'm going to let the little guy in, disrupting the space. So what, what he did for real estate, we want to do for private equity. Yeah. So good. So good. Now with sales, there's always, you know, books and you mentioned you were reading a bunch of books on sales and stuff like that. What, what is that book on sales that kind of made the, the big impact on you? Uh, the first one, I was big on Brian Tracy in the beginning. He, he had, he had the biggest influence on me than any other, um, you know, I've, I read them all, Tom yeah. Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, Grant Cardone, every book they, they all wrote, um, the sales Bible, Jeffrey Gittimer, love them all. Um, but I had light bulb moments in um, two books, The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. Um, that, that was foundational to just understanding um, just the landscape of sales, the mentality you need to have. And then what really changed my life was No Excuses by Brian mm -hmm. Tracy. Yeah. I remember a specific moment listening to that audio book, CD at the time, you know, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> down the road where, where where if I had not done that, I, I would not be successful at all because I was still in the blame game. I'm trying to figure my life out. And, and that book set off that light bulb moment where I was like, if I do not take accountability for a hundred percent of my life, if I don't find gratitude in what I've been through, thankful that I even have two parents, like all, all these things I was blaming my parents for, sure. um, you know, were, were gifts in the right mindset. And, and that clicked when I listened to that book, No Excuses, really drilled uh, the foundation of accountability into me. Yeah, Brian Tracy's awesome, man. Definitely one of my favorites for sure as well. Uh, I love to finish the show off with a fun question. I'm a big music guy, so I love to ask the question. Like, what's a favorite band for you, or what type of music do you like to listen to? Oh, this is good. I'm such a spe uh, wide spectrum guy. I was a, I was a music major, so oh nice. Um, yeah, totally, totally different. And um, yeah, so I mean, I was an audio engineer, so I would bring in all types of artists. Another entrepreneurial thing. Instead of doing my, I was failing my classes because I was recording the rappers on campus trying to make money. Instead, you know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> stuff like that but um i love reggae like if i had to pick um one genre it'd probably be reggae okay um but different times like in the gym i love hard, like hip-hop i yep. love that uh, you know aggressive like you know get you going music and then i love edm too you know that feel that feel good tropical house is is a great genre too so i kind of float between those three vibes yeah man i i grew up uh, just straight metalhead always like corn rob zombie rage against machine like that type of stuff yeah. and then 
I got a, a job with Universal Records in my early 20s, and they said, well, you have to actually listen to other types of music, too. So I kind of spread the mind a little bit and got into other genres as well, and um, I, probably more on the still rocking out, but uh, yeah, I definitely opened up to the EDM, sort of the hip-hop and more of that stuff. And I grew up with, like Biggie and Tupac, you know, bidets, right? So it's like, got to go back to the, the classics all the time. So that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting progression because when I was a teenager and I was learning how to play guitar, I was obsessed with Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I learned how to play yeah. every album from, you know, the Hagar years all the way back to David Lee Roth. I mean, I, I was, I loved that space. I mean, I feel like I was one of the, um, you know, I was born in 87. So going back in time, like I was obsessed with classic rock when I was um, a teenager learning how to play guitar. So yeah, all, it's all in there. Yeah. Oh, so good, dude. Justin, I loved our conversation today, man. You're an absolute world changer, dude. I love what you got going on at Kearns Capital, man. Excited for the next step in your guys' phase there and wishing the best of luck in this whole lawsuit thing. But I, I know it's going to work out just fine, man. And I, again, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.